This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend and partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we have much to discuss in the NFL. We had kind of planned on doing this little fantasy football preview show. Uh, and then Andrew Luck retired. Uh, Antonio Brown has happened over the past month. And uh, I just feel like we have a lot of NFL-related things I mean, to and talk we can't about. forget that Lamar Miller uh, blew his knee out either, which is just oh, devastating dude, yeah, fantasy news. Yeah, yeah, I mean, weeping and gnashing of teeth nationwide over, over Lamar Miller. So um, no disrespect to Lamar. Great, great player in his own right, but... Uh, Pipe, we will get into those things in a moment. Uh, I want to highlight our sponsor, Gut Check Press, uh, with a new book, a new book on the marketplace called A Hard Thing on a Beautiful Day uh, by me, Ted Cluck. So the book is a collection of my essays, uh, 80 essays covering sports, pop culture, Christian life, um, revisionist history of Gut Check. So uh, if you're a fan of that podcast, if you're a fan of this podcast, or if you've just been a fan of my writing over the years, uh, you will enjoy this book. You will find it at a small online merchant called Amazon.com. So if you go to www.amazon.com, Amazon, like the thing that's burning to the ground right now, uh, the real thing, not the company. Um, I mean, you can find my book there. If Tim Challies had his way, the, the company might burn to the ground Dude, too. Dude, totally. Challies. Yeah, that's right, man. Challies threw some, some shade at my new business partner, Amazon.com. So. For now, you can find my book there until uh, until that crashes and burns too, and then you can find it at chalies.com. Um, Piper, let's get into this Andrew Luck retirement. Um, so Saturday night, I was at the house with my buddy Matt. Uh, Matt is a great sports fan. We often watch college football together. Uh, he brought his wife over, and, and the girls hung out while we watched the first college game of the season, Miami versus Florida. Did you watch that one? I did not. I was at one of the most Nashville events that I had, like of of the good variety, not the variety yeah. we discussed on the last uh, sports podcast uh, that I have ever been to. Dude, which, what what was Nashville about it? So run, it run is called that. it is called Songwriter Under the Star Songwriters Under the Stars. Oh my goodness! Which sound which which sounds like a prom theme, except yeah, <laughs> except, a Nashville prom theme, right? It, but it wasn't. So there's a uh, there's an old historic mansion slash estate that has been turned into a you know like a big park and grounds. Yeah, and once a year they host a music event called Songwriters Under the Stars. So it starts at you know seven thirty p.m. and runs till ten or eleven. Uh-huh. And it's the writers of all the hit songs, not the artists who actually performed them. So it's ah, all these okay. sort of Nashville legends who you wouldn't recognize walking down the street performing songs that you have heard famous people sing. Um, okay. So, which is why it's Nashville. It's outside, you know, yep. there's like drink tents and food tents and people on blankets and chairs everywhere. But it's because it's at this this old mansion, it's very sort of classy and subdued as opposed to like yep. the woo girl party scene. Uh, exactly. So I'm I was doing that, not watching Florida Miami. Interesting pipe. That sounds uh, that sounds like a nice event. So Florida Miami was a nice event, also in that uh, you could tell that the teams had only been at practice for like two weeks, and that there were a myriad of fumbles. And to be uh, fair, Florida has looked like that for about four seasons. I think they've only practiced <laughs> twice in four seasons. So that's true, man. That's true. Light light practice schedule of Florida. So somebody online had made the comment that. Um, 
it was like a game that was played in a monsoon, except there wasn't a drop of rain anywhere near the stadium. But sloppiness wise, you know, that's, that's funny. Like. When you said Florida versus Miami, I just pictured in my mind torrential rainfall. Yeah, I didn't. Well, there was I didn't. Was no I don't know what rainfall. the weather was. I just pictured it in my head. Yeah, yeah, no, no rainfall, but lots of sloppy play uh, at any rate. But somewhere around the third quarter, ESPN ran the big like red breaking news stripe at the bottom of their telecast. Uh, and the breaking news was that Andrew Luck was going to announce his retirement from the NFL. And, uh, it was crazy. We were, we were thrown for a loop by it. Um, immediately started hopping on our phones, looking for more information. And I caught the last, uh, 10 minutes of his live press conference that he, that he did right after the Colts game. Uh, and then I actually today watched his entire presser and I got to tell you, it was one of the most likable, winsome, heartfelt, kind gracious like sports moments i've seen in probably the last 20 years mm-hmm. it was it was the kind of presser that like i wanted there to be more of it like even though he was in agony and i wanted it to be over for him like i just wanted to hear him talking more because i i, I think he's really a guy that we're gonna miss in pro sports and being a being a christian athlete and coach and dad myself like i was watching him going I wish this is how all Christian athletes sounded, even though I don't think he's a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, He was just the right kind of, to me, gracious, honest, heartfelt. And I liked him a thousand percent more than all the sort of prepackaged Christian athletes that have been shoved down our throats for the past decade. So uh, I wondered if you had any thoughts on it, Pipe. How did it strike you? Yeah, I mean, he every time I've ever heard him interviewed – or you hear journalists talk about interviewing him. He gets described very similarly to what you did, just sort of minus the spiritual aspect of things. Sure. Where he is – he's described as brilliant, humble, likable, um, mm-hmm. accessible. I saw a tweet thread from um, – what is his name? Michael – he's the creator of Parks and Rec and, and oh, yeah. The Good Place. Is it Michael Schur? Mm-hmm. Michael something like that. Something like that, yeah. And, uh, and he was talking about how when they were – Andrew Luck was on the set of, I think, Parks and Rec. Um, They were filming with the Colts for one scene. And he hung around with them for like two or three hours and was throwing passes and talking to everybody. And just he was just talking about how people who didn't know anything about sports, didn't care anything about the NFL, came away as a fan of him. And you just get stories like that over and over again. And, yeah, you just get the impression that this this is a different sort of guy than your sort of stereotypical star anything. Yeah, totally. So, Pipe, what do you like? What do you make of his retirement in terms of? Obviously, there's the implications for the Colts this year, but just the the whole idea of a a 29 year old guy who's so prodigiously gifted just kind of deciding to walk away at this point. I know one of the things that you know, being an Indiana resident myself, um, you know, not currently an Indiana resident, but I, I identify with Indiana because it's where I grew up. Uh, I was really disappointed to see that a that a uh, a smattering of Colts fans booed him after after he walked off the field. So the the news broke in like the third quarter of a preseason game that he was a part of. Uh, he wasn't dressed and wasn't playing, but he was he was on the sidelines. And the news broke, and uh, he was booed as he walked off the field. Um, I was super disappointed. I guess I, I thought Midwestern people were uh, were nicer than that. But um, See, I, th- I think I heard a, I heard. Um... I heard somebody maybe it was maybe it was on the uh the Ringer NFL podcast or something. Mm-hmm. People were just pointing out uh, the fans 
heard the same time everybody else did. You know, it was yeah, via yeah. social media. So there's just sort of a sure. shock factor. And so, of course, the first reaction is sort of what is going on? And there's just, you know, there's sort of the visceral reaction. You know, yeah, totally. my guess is if he had not been at the game and he had shown up a week later, yeah, I don't know that there would have been booze because there would have yeah. been a chance for him to address the fans, to speak about his reasons for it not to be, you know, the shock factors worn off and maybe they could give mm-hmm. him a send off. So, yeah. I, you know, there it was disappointing because you want to see somebody like him respected. Yeah. But it was just sort of it was just a so, so surprising that it makes yeah. sense that maybe the fans were were a little extra upset. Um, yeah, I my reaction was first just surprise because you just don't see this happen. But as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, why not? You know yeah. what he. People switch careers all the time. People stop yeah. loving a thing they've been doing. Actors stop acting. Musicians move on to something else, or they they try other things. Sure. I think I think we just have this mindset from the outside that because everybody wishes we were a professional athlete. Every fan, <laughs> yeah. every yeah. fan harbors daydreams of being a a fantasy or a of, of a, a professional athlete. And so for somebody to walk away from it without using up all their chances feels insane to us because we would yeah. take one chance. Yep. But we I mean, I just switched jobs at 36, which is the time you leave professional sports. But, you know, like it's not sure. it's not a crazy thing to switch careers and move from a thing that you've spent a lot of time and energy doing to something else. People do it all the time. Yeah. Not to mention that the guy's always injured. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I heard, I heard another, I think it might, I think this was definitely the, the ringer NFL podcast. They said, they said Ryan Grigson deserves a healthy portion of the blame for Andrew Luck's retirement mm. because he's the one who built the team that got him hurt for his first yeah. six seasons. That's right. And that's, that's, right. that's a, a very incriminating statement or an indicting mm-hmm. statement, but he has not been in a good situation until the last year, but yeah. it might have been too late. Yep. Yep. No, that's right, man. I mean, he was the he was the only show in town for a long time. I mean, they lacked a they lacked a running game for a while. They lacked an elite receiver. They certainly lacked talent and depth on the offensive line. And and you're talking about a guy who's very intellectually curious. I mean, I think he breaks the mold of the of the typical modern professional athlete in that regard. I mean, this isn't a guy who's grown up banging the drum of, I just want to play football, you know, or, or I love the game even like there were, I know there were people online who questioned whether or not he ever loved the game truly. And they, they were using statements like that. And it's like, well, who cares? Like show me somebody who truly like loves the game more than anything else. And I'll show you an imbalanced, like, you know, probably train wreck of a person at some level, you know, but those are the, yeah. those are the kind of terms. Those are the categories that we expect out of our professional athletes. Like well, he's got to want to die for this. You right. Know? And, and the idea of, you know, he doesn't have the grit to stick it out. Well, yeah, the, I don't buy that for a minute. Well, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Absolutely. The, yeah. The grit to stick it out applies to, so I'm, I'm listening to the audio book of, of band of brothers right now. Yeah. Grit to stick it out applies to a circumstance like that. You know, sure. you, you are you are in the Ardennes forest in, you know, 1944 and you have yeah. to live or die. OK, there's grit involved there. Deciding Absolutely. whether or not to take your millions and go do something that doesn't leave you bruised, battered, broken and unhappy. I don't yeah. think that's a grit decision. Well, or even if you're 
Adrian Peterson and you've made a hundred million dollars, but you've spent a hundred and ten. Like right. that guy's playing because he still has you know, to, or, you know? or paid ninety eight in child support. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, it takes a certain amount of grit and determination to stick that out and keep going back. But yeah, for a guy with a Stanford degree, you know, a whole head full of ideas and and diverse interests with uh, a, a bank account full of money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to justify, you know, continuing to get your body broken and beat up. And nobody can, I don't think anybody, anybody who hasn't walked in those shoes can't fully appreciate the the kind of pain that he's probably in on a day in and day out basis. Yeah, I think he probably honestly deserves our admiration for... I agree. He, he, he was successful. He did yep. put the team first. He worked very hard. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been as good as he was for some really bad Colts teams. Yeah. But he also left himself in a position to have the freedom to make a healthy choice when he felt the time was right, as opposed to being trapped into playing football until he's 42 or identifying himself solely as a professional athlete. He finished his degree. He did all these things that, that put him in a spot to kind of do whatever he wants. And yeah, he came from a place. I mean, he, he came from a kind of a, an elite family, so to speak, or a one with a lot of opportunities, but he didn't waste anything. And he's, exactly. he's using the opportunities yeah, he that he waste, has. He didn't waste any opportunity. And, and Pipe, I have one more question on Andrew Luck, and I'm not even sure how I want to say this, so I'm just going to start talking and see how it comes out. So you know, <laughs> and, and I, think, I think we're of one mind on this, like we don't like the curated professional Christian athlete business. Correct. Um, that, that's something that's been distasteful to us since we've been adults, and I got to tell you, though, and, and I don't know if you watched the entirety of his presser or just a, even a few minutes of it, but I watched his presser and I thought to myself, the thought that I had over and over again was, how can this guy not be a Christian? You know what I mean? How can somebody who's that humble and that gracious and who's speaking in that particular way not know Christ? But I don't think he does. I mean, is this just like a a heaping dose of common grace leveled on you know, one really blessed person. Um, I, I wasn't or, sure how to take it. You know what I mean? Or he, or he is a Christian who f- believes that at some level, that's a thing that, you know, you don't grandstand for, which I know would offend sure. some people, but I, I don't, I don't have no idea what his, what his faith, where yeah. he stands faith wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is an indictment to the public grandstanding ego airbrushed faux right. Jesus nonsense that yeah. so many celebrity Christians put on, often at long term kind of at the expense of Christianity because they publicly grandstand and then they also publicly shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. And so yeah, it, it's uh if he's not a believer, it's yeah, it's definitely what what did you say? A heaping dose of common grace. That's I think yeah, that's I think yeah. that's a fair a fair description. Yeah, totally. You know, and he's he's never like you said, he's never publicly outed himself as a as a Christian athlete. But um, I don't know. I I just have to think that working with Frank Reich, who I know to be a completely stand up, humble, gracious. Christian of the kind that we've been discussing like that had to have rubbed off on him at some level and it it would be it would be such a joy I think to play the game for somebody like that you know because it's such a rarity in the in the football business to run across somebody like that Um, I will say this it would be an absolute delight to find out down the road that he is a Christian 
and yeah. kind of have that I knew it sense about Dude, it. Dude, I totally agree. I because, totally agree. Because it's so rare to run across somebody whose character stands out so much yeah. that it makes you go, what's different about that guy? Yeah. That would be pretty yeah, awesome. Even, even just a Christian athlete who you'd like to like be in the same room with, yeah. you know. Um, just one of these guys that isn't smug and repellent, you know, would be a would be a breath of fresh air. But uh, Piper, let's talk about the football implications of this a little bit. Um, the Colts were kind of a uh, a vogue pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you've got the kind of offensive genius factor with Frank Reich. You had T.Y. Hilton, uh, Marlon Mack, some exciting guys coming back. Yeah, but Andrew Luck good, really good kind of de- being a good defense for the first time in a while. Oh, sure. Good defense for the first time in decades i mean their defense was no good when peyton manning was there and yeah their defense when peyton manning was there was like bob sanders dwight freeney and good luck absolutely absolutely and robert mathis who they kind of stumbled upon uh and got lucky with but but yeah really legitimate defense for the first time in decades um and now you take andrew luck out of the equation you plug in jacoby Brissett. um given what we know about the afc south like how how bullish are you on the colts at this point Man, the AFC South went from maybe the strongest division in football to just a bunch of question marks. Not in football, but maybe in the AFC. Sure. Um, Because Houston lost their running back. Yep. Uh, Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback. Um, Jacksonville has an offense that is TBD. Jacksonville is very theoretical. Yeah. Like uh, Leonard Fournette staying healthy and being his old self. Uh, Nick Foles you know, becoming the starter that we think yep. he can be a lot of theoretical. I would not be surprised if Jacksonville was six and 10. I would not be surprised if they were 12 and four. I mean, they, yeah. they had massive range of outcomes. Yep. Um, Indianapolis should have probably mopped up this division or at least won it with relative ease. Now yep. they are more in the, I would put them in the Jacksonville category at this point. Sure. A lot of talent, but theoretical offense Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they have skill position players and offensive line and a head coach who is also a good offensive coach. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's just, I, I, I remember when luck was out two years ago, Brissett was surprisingly good and that was yeah. with a bad offensive coach. Yep. So I think, I think they could still be pretty good and, you know, playoff team, maybe win that division. I would probably pick Houston at this point. Yeah. Um, just because their skill position players and quarterback are so good, and they do have some pretty dominant defensive players. Um, Dude, vis-a-vis Houston, I actually think Duke Johnson is going to be better than Lamar Miller. I well, think that was a great I trade. Think, I think Duke Johnson was always better than Lamar Miller. The question was, Absolutely. was he going to catch four passes a game, or was he going to touch the ball you know, 14 times a game? Yep, yep, and now he's going to get his 14 touches, and you're going to see... You know the real Duke Johnson, I think. But I think Houston uh, ought to be talking to San Diego. Nope, not San Diego, Los Angeles. Sorry, Chargers yep, fans. That's um, okay. For uh, as it uh, a, a, trade, a trade for Melvin Gordon. Yeah, that a, a buy low on Melvin Gordon. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, at this point, it, I don't, I don't. I mean, unless there's unless there's cap implications that I don't understand because I don't understand the salary cap at all. Uh, yeah. That just seems like. Houston is primed to run away with the division if they can solidify that running back position. Dude, so I know a lot of people, as soon as the Andrew Luck news broke, ran to their computers and, and placed a bet on the under on total wins for the Colts before you know Vegas had a chance to adjust the lines or whatever. I, I actually think, you know, given what we've said about the, about the division as a whole, I mean, if Jacksonville goes south, 
Um, the Titans, we we know, are not going to be any great shakes uh, given their lack of a quarterback. Um, I actually think uh, a Jacoby Brissett-led Colts team could still make some noise in that division. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, he's not Andrew Luck, but he's not bad. Yeah, I, th- I think they I think they have the potential to be a ten and six team. I do too. Um, I do which too. in that division, it, it could be second by two games because Houston sure. might might be really really good. Or they could be vying for the division lead. I, I think Brissett will be solid. I think Reich will put him in a position to succeed. I think the fact that this announcement came down with two weeks prior to the season and Luck hasn't played at all, so Brissett's been getting all the first team snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I heard somebody go, "Well, this is awful for the team that he announced it." Now, no, it's not. It, yeah, <laughs> he hasn't played with the team since last year. Exactly. So, so their backup has been running with the starters. It's bad from a maybe drafting a quarterback or something like that. But they're going to seamlessly transition into the season in terms of scheme and offensive players being used to each other, etc. So, yeah, I think I think Indianapolis still could win ten or eleven games. Dude, can I say one more Colts thing? And I want this I want this on the record right now. Um, a player who I'm going all in on because I had some interaction with him when he was in high school, believe it or not, but I, I've always admired his skill set, and he's back on the field with the Colts, Chad Kelly. Um, Chad Kelly looked awfully good in their preseason game the other you night. You loved and him granted, when he came out in the draft, too. Dude, I did. He was, your, like, he was your late-round sleeper, which I, I thought was a great choice because he was really good in college before he got hurt. Beat Alabama twice when he was at Ole Miss. You know, the kid has no conscience when it comes to, you know, making a mistake and bouncing back. Live arm, great athlete, um, a little bit <laughs> erratic off the field. You know, that's the that that's kind of the drawback that you're going to have with Chad Kelly. But uh, if he can keep his nose clean and kind of be, um, you know, a, a somewhat stable person off the field, I think he has a chance to really make some noise in the league. He's still young. Um, I think the Colts, it, it's one of those backup choices, Piper. And there there seem to be two schools of thought on this, right? Like if you're the Oakland Raiders, for example, your backups are Nathan Peterman and Mike Glennon. Um, not exciting. You know, you, you've seen the best of what those two gentlemen have to offer. And there's, By there's not, not exciting, I think you meant I just <laughs> threw up in my mouth a little bit. That Those, Dude, are, right. those are terrible <laughs> names. So, so given that as a choice, like why wouldn't you roll the dice on a Chad Kelly? Somebody with like next level kind of um, an insanely high ceiling, but somebody for whom the floor has admittedly been pretty low because of off the field stuff. But you figure if that goes right, you know, you're getting a blue chip type player for pennies on the dollar. I don't know why you would go with, you know, a a Nathan Peterman over somebody like that. Yeah, Uh, it seems to me that backup quarterback should be one of two things. mm -hmm. They should be. So say you are. New Orleans, for example, and you have you are yeah. a Super Bowl contender. You have Drew Brees, who is exceptional but also old. You want yep. a backup quarterback who, if he goes down, your your Super Bowl chances decrease as little as possible. So as sure. a stable backup, yep. there go Teddy Bridgewater. Um, although, what's the other guy's name? Who's sort of their uh, Taysom Hill? Taysom Hill. People are saying he's probably their actual backup quarterback. But he's a good example of the other thing backup quarterback should be, which is the like wild card, change of pace, roll high, the dice guy. high ceiling, roll mm-hmm. the dice. Yeah, crazy things can happen when he's on the field. That yep. guy. Um, and I, I don't know why people like Nathan Peterman have a job in the NFL. Yeah, he, it's fascinating. He's a bad backup and a bad starter. Unless he, 
unless he's just exceptional at breaking down film or something. Well, dude, Detroit's in the same boat, right? So Detroit, if Matthew Stafford goes down, they're going 0-16. Like, they're absolutely going 0-16 because the rest of their quarterback room is Tom Savage and Josh Johnson, who's been a career, like, just being camp guy for, like, a decade. Um, And, and again, no disrespect to those guys, but it's like, how can you not – how can you not have a better contingency at that position given some of the guys that seem to still be out there? You know what I mean? And as discussed last year, the name Josh simply will never be a greatly, highly successful NFL quarterback. They'll, they'll, yeah. There's a seat. I mean, yes, you've got your, you, you've got a few who are, yeah. there's some potential out there, but I just don't see Josh as being Super Bowl winners. That's not Josh a name. is not a Super Bowl name. No, no it's it, not. And we're going to talk about Josh things later. I've got, to be fair, I've got Tom Josh Savage now. is a Super Bowl name. He is not a Super Bowl quarterback. Tom Savage is a Super Bowl name in the 80s, and unfortunately, it's 2019. Fair. Uh, That's fair. You know, but t- Tom Savage in the 80s, that guy could do no wrong. Actually, I bet. Tom Savage sounds like uh, he sounds like a local news broadcaster. You know, That's right. News at News at Six with Tom Savage sounds like a show that that uh, <laughs> yeah. would have been featured in the Twin Cities when I was growing up. Tom, back to you in the studio. That's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Pipe, let's talk about um, let's talk about idiot behavior. Let's talk about wide receiver idiot behavior. And I want to know for you where Antonio Brown's training camp ranks in the pantheon of all time idiot wide receiver behavior. So. Uh, just by way of a recap, we had not only the cryogenic foot freezing incident um, in which Antonio Brown froze the bottoms of his feet off in a cryogenic chamber. That is um, not that's not a uh, an exaggeration. He actually froze the bottoms of his feet all the way off. They were yeah. disgusting. I saw pictures. Yeah, I couldn't help myself. I told myself I wouldn't look at the pictures, and then I looked at the pictures, and they were real bad. Somebody, I think the best quote was, uh, his feet look like the Declaration of Independence. So just like a really old, crinkly, gross document that's existed for— That's a great line. Yeah, yeah, for all kinds of years. So, um, And then on top of that, uh, he makes a huge deal out of not wanting to wear um, up-to-date you know, certified helmet tech. He wants to wear the old— uh, helmet that he has been wearing ostensibly since college. So, uh, Piper, what do you make of this in the pantheon of idiot wide receiver behavior? Uh, I think it is the Raiders doing Raiders things, um, which is going all in on a guy, you know, far past his his prime. Although he has played well when he's been on the field. I was going to say, I think he, think he uh-huh. scored 15 touchdowns last year and caught over 100 passes. So he's, he's not young, but he's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the I, fact that he's with the Raiders, I think, like, is going to diminish his output by at least 30%. Um, so, yeah, the, what do you make of this? I think the only receiver in history who competes with him on the idiot scale uh-huh. is Terrell Owens. Yeah, I was going to say that was that was where I was going. Because there are some others who, who fall short in a couple categories. So let's think of other idiot wide receivers. Um, Chad Ochocinco is Ch- there, Ch- Chad Johnson. Yes. He was much more of a self-promoter idiot than he was a like locker room cancer idiot. Yeah, he wasn't so much a hurt the team idiot. He was just a kind of a distraction. At yeah, worst, he just you, you know, know he did he did crazy celebrations and he changed his name yeah. to Ocho Cinco and things like that. So uh-huh. uh, also he was never he was a really good wide receiver. He was never best wide receiver in the NFL. So I think Correct. that's that sets you apart too a little bit. Uh, yeah. Randy Moss was a diva at various points. I think he was a different class of diva as well though because. All of his teammates liked him that, yeah. I, that I recall. 
he just was frustrated that he was better than everybody else oftentimes mm-hmm. like when he mm-hmm. went to um when he went to Marshall oakland or, or oakland whatever yeah, yeah. Like wherever they were playing then um he just quit because the team sucked and he didn't want yeah. to play with the uh, that garbage team and then he yeah. then when they traded him to new england he decided oh i get to play with elite people and i'm going to go show that i am the best yeah but he definitely had his moments, you know, shooting the ref in the in the back with a water bottle, uh, mm. fake mooning the Green Bay crowd, which, by the way, is my favorite touchdown celebration of all time. Yeah. Um, he, what else did he do? He, there was a whole incident where he hit a crossing guard with his car in some mm. in some <laughs> instance, and then he just he was real loud, mouthy. Um, yeah, yeah, and kind of surly. Yeah, he wasn't like a he wasn't a sort of, you know cuddly we love this guy idiot like chad johnson you know chad johnson was a likable idiot um here's the thing about randy moss he mm -hmm. finished his playing career and moved straight into a studio job where he is really good and people like him his he is one of the most interesting like pr reclamation projects in the history of sports media to me um that that whole thing is stunning and uh and, and really tip of the cap to him he's done a great job I'm just and okay. So who else? Who else do we have? I mean, going back in the day, there was the Michael Irvins uh, of yeah. the world. Irvin, Dude, again. Michael Irvin was like a snort a mountain of coke and get arrested with prostitutes kind of idiot. Yeah, so and, that's and in that's, a different category. It's also a different era because yeah. there was just less. Like it was very fuzzy about the. People kind of knew but didn't know. It was kind of like steroids in the '90s. Well, dude, baseball. it was pre-social media, right? Yeah. I mean, you had you had like bits and pieces of rumors about this guy's behavior, but all you knew was that on Sunday he was bringing it. You know, he was, and he and he always brought it. He was a great competitor. Um, and look, they all complain about the ball, right? Like every receiver wants the ball yeah. all the time. Um, oh yes. Speaking of so idiots, Keyshawn Johnson, you know, give oh, me, yeah. you know, he, he, I think he titled his biography. I don't know if we're allowed to swear on this, but this is the book yeah. title. So please don't yell at me, everybody. It's just called, give me the damn ball. Dude. Um, one of the great uh, wide receiver idiot, like sports biographies of all time. Also, um, he he he's right up there because he overrated himself so much. Absolutely, which yeah, is he, which he is anointed special. himself like the second coming of, I don't know, whoever the great receiver was, Jerry Rice at the time. You know, the, before he played a snap of NFL football. Yeah, and he was really just a glorified possession receiver. Kind of, right. he would he would have been a great sort of move tight end today because he dude, was yeah, he was your he was your classic like big receiver who couldn't separate. You know. Um, he was the, he was the Marquise Colston of, of, you know, whenever his era was actually probably not even that good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Keyshawn Johnson was a great one. Uh, are we forgetting who are we leaving out? I'm Dude, sure. one of my favorite, like likable idiots was Joe Horn. Yes. Uh, wide receiver, New Orleans Saints who, who low key had some great, uh, end zone celebrations of his own back in the day. I think he was the first one to like shove the cell phone into the padding behind the goalpost and, uh, and make a call when he hit the end zone. Um, I think that was Joe Horn, wasn't it? Yep, that was him. That was what he, and I mean, he was a good receiver too. He had he had he some was. years. I think Brown goes down though as the most. He and To are the most sort of cancerous of these. Yeah. Just yeah. in terms of every team they were on did not want them. The fact That's that right. the Steelers just let walk, yeah, uh, a guy who has been the best receiver in the NFL by production for six years. Yep. And they they still are they they still have a shot at being competitive in the AFC 
as long as mm-hmm. Roethlisberger is healthy. Now, I picked them to be bad this year, but if everything yeah. goes right, they're a good team. Um, yeah. And they let him go. They didn't even try yeah. to resign him. They never offered him an extension. They didn't franchise him, nothing. And they're all happy he's gone. Yeah. That says something. When the best wide receiver in the league walks out the door and nobody's, nobody's crying that they lost 100 catches and 15 touchdowns. Exactly. Um, so I, I think, man, how unlikable must he be to, to just be around? Oh, dude, I know. I know. It's going to be fascinating. So what's your wins over under for the Raiders? Like, what's your over under on, the, on their oh, number of wins? Man, um, over under? I would I would set the over under at six. I'd well you have to go halves six and a half. Yeah, six and a half. Um, yeah, boy, I don't I don't know I don't know if I'd be comfortable saying that they're going to get to seven wins. Um, I, I don't see it. I'm not a I'm not a Derek Carr guy. Um, I don't trust Antonio Brown to play sixteen games. I mean, we're going to talk about fantasy in a minute. I I would not. I would not pin my fantasy hopes in, in any way, shape, or form on Antonio Brown. And, uh, and the, we have zero reason to believe John Gruden knows how to coach at this point. So, Yeah. Dude, I've not been impressed with their draft choices in the preseason. Granted, it's preseason, so you've got to give that caveat. But, you know, Cleveland Farrell does not look like a sudden, you know, game-wrecking NFL pass rusher, as is worthy of the, you know, the fourth overall pick. Well, that's, um, that was one of the confusing things to me is that every one of the, the – their defense of their draft picks was that they wanted these workhorse character guys from mm-hmm. successful programs. So they got Farrell from Clemson. They got Jacobs from um, Alabama. Alabama. Just like going on down the line. But then they go out and sign Antonio Brown and Richie Incognito, <laughs> yeah. who is hands down – <laughs> the least likable player in the NFL, setting aside uh, setting aside anybody who's been involved in domestic abuse. Although sure, he sure. may have been involved in that. I'm not sure. I know he was involved in various hazing incidents. There has been bar mm-hmm. fights. There has been, like, mm-hmm. arrests for punching people. Just, yeah. he's, nobody likes him. He's interesting just, choice, man. He's really just solid. Really interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Piper, let's talk fantasy uh, for our last couple minutes together. Um, you and I are in a fantasy league together. We started it for our listenership. It was a it was a service uh, for our listeners, also to give us content for Happier in Sports and to uh, and to bring make me your, out and of, to make your life a little more miserable in the fall. To make my life miserable in the fall, which it absolutely did last year. You brought me out of fantasy retirement for the first time in like a decade uh, to play fantasy football, which I hated. I think almost every minute of, but for some inexplicable reason, I like really wanted to. Have it happen again this season. So uh, well, I, don't, I, I don't know what the psychology is. I know what the is reason there. is, and it's because your son's in the league too. Yeah, my son's in the league, so I wanted to do it with him again. Um, and it's a keeper league, so I got excited about some of these keepers, Piper. So uh, I want us to walk through our list of keepers, talk through the rationale of why we kept that player, um, and then any other fantasy thoughts we have before we wrap the show. So uh, have you selected your keepers yet? I have. Um, so for listeners' sake, and not to get too much in the weeds, we did an auction draft last year. So there's dollar values attached to the keepers. So you can't just you can keep up to five players, but you are you you're co- uh, it costs you their auction value from last year plus five auction dollars. So yep. uh, you you're not just weighing talent; you're also weighing value. So that's a, that's an important piece of of who's a good keeper or not. Yep. So. Um, you know, 
in the spirit of competition, I probably shouldn't tell you who my keepers are, but it doesn't really matter at this point. So um, I – let's see. I'm trying to remember who I kept. So I decided to keep um, Adam Thielen, Zach Ertz, um, Chris Godwin, Mm -hmm. and – Hmm. I might have kept I might have kept one other. I might have kept Cortland Sutton. I can't remember. Dude, so who's your highest priced guy in that list? Was it Zach Ertz? No, it was uh, Adam Thielen. Thielen, that's so right. So Thielen cost me something like twenty four or twenty six dollars in the draft last year, so he'll cost me about thirty this year, which mm-hmm. for a guy who was who who I would guess is gonna be a top fifteen to twenty wide receiver this year is about right. Sure. Um, Ertz, I'll keep at 24 or 25. Uh, I don't think he'll get 116 catches again, but if he gets 90, that's still probably a top three tight end. And dude, he's top three at his position for sure. Um, so yeah, that's not, that's not too steep for, for that kind of production. And then Godwin I'm keeping at, I think $6. So I, you know, I don't know that he'll be great, but he's sort of a flex player. He costs me next to nothing. And with Bruce Arians going in there, I think – so last year he put up 59 catches, 840 yards, and seven touchdowns. I mean, mm-hmm. if that's if that's 79, 50, and 8 this yeah. year or same number of touchdowns for 6 bucks, that's a good value. Uh, the, guy, the guys who I didn't keep, um, T.Y. Hilton, yeah. Dalvin Cook – who I love, but I did not want to pay $50 to keep him because that's a quarter of our uh, budget. Oh. Lamar Miller. That yep. was before I knew he blew his knee up, but now I'm glad I didn't keep him. And then uh, Amari Cooper because I can't stand Amari Cooper because he puts up all of his stats in one quarter of the season and you don't know which quarter it's going to be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, he's uh, he's very Derrick Henry-esque in that regard. Um, so speaking of Derrick Henry, here here are my keepers, Piper, and I did not keep Derrick Henry. Um, my keepers are Philip Lindsay, uh, who I think I'm keeping at six dollars. I think I got him for a buck last year. He was the Denver uh, rookie sensation, rushed for over a thousand yards. I think he had seven rushing touchdowns last year. Um, just good value, even if he's in a job share a little bit with uh, with Royce Freeman. Um, I think the cream will rise to the top in that backfield, much like it did last year. Uh, and it will be Philip Lindsay's backfield to lose. Uh, next keeper is George Kittle, uh, who I think I acquired from you in a trade. I think the, I think I sent you Godwin and Gronkowski for Kittle and maybe somebody else yep. at some point this I, season last year. I made so I had Kittle before he completely blew up because the first quarter of yeah. last year he he was decent but not amazing. He this, the yeah. last three quarters of the season he was just bonkers. Yeah. Um, I made the Gronkowski gamble last year and it completely yep. tanked my season. Um, I, I bet on Dalvin cook and Rob Gronkowski in trades and yeah. neither of them paid off. So, um, thus the fact that neither of them are on my team this year. Understandable though, man. Understandable. Don't beat yourself up over that. So I'm excited about George Kittle. I think, uh, he was quite cheap. So, uh, he was quite a bargain. I, I don't think I paid more than ten or eleven dollars for him to keep him. Uh, so Lindsay at six bucks, Kittle at ten or eleven. Um, Josh Allen. So I've got a I've got a lot of Joshes in my in my clubhouse this year. So uh, I kept Josh Allen. He's a, a six dollar keeper. Um, you know, Josh Allen's one of these like boomer bus guys where anything can happen on any play it could be also, great it could be bad this is a, it's a super flex league so that means you start one quarterback and then you have a flex that you can do any position at so it can That's be right. a two quarterback league so if josh allen does what he did in the last half of last year 
yeah. you have an amazing second quarterback. Absolutely. And my first quarterback is uh, is another player who I'm excited about. Uh, another $6 keeper, Lamar Jackson. Um, I am bullish on Lamar Jackson, on the Ravens, on their offense. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do with him in year two. Uh, so I have a very young quarterback room in, in Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. And I may, depending on how the draft shakes out, I may try and pick up a, a more kind of stable, conventional veteran. But um, but yeah, I'm excited about those two, man. And they were, they were both really cheap. Uh, my last keeper is another Josh, Josh Gordon. Uh, wide receiver, New England. This was a total like emotional pick just because I like Josh Gordon, because I like New England, uh, because I think the ceiling on him is still really high if, if his head's right. Uh, he was my most expensive keeper. I think it was $17 uh, to keep Josh Gordon in the fold, which if he, you know, if he cranks out, you know, his his the higher end of his production will be a bargain. Um, he played, what, seven games last year, something like that? Yeah, and he, he was good. He, Yeah, and... And and that was without sort of any – there was no preseason. It was kind of just – he was a late addition. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think I think worst-case scenario – so assuming he plays, say, 14 games, you're going to get a 1,000-yard receiver who gets you seven, eight touchdowns because Brady loves him and trusts him right out already. And Absolutely. And they don't have good receivers besides Edelman at this point. Yeah, they don't. There's a lot of opportunity there with with Gronk moving on and, you know, just some uncertainty with with the other positions besides Edelman. So um, some of the guys that I was bummed to leave on the table, uh, Lynn Fournette, Uh, the price tag was just way too high uh, for him and especially after his performance last year. But I am bullish on uh, Jacksonville and on that offense kind of bouncing back and on Lynn Fournette bouncing back. So I was I was sad to leave him on the table. Uh, Another Josh, Josh Rosen. Um, I do think Rosen will win the job in Miami. I think they're a year or two away from being a, you know, a competent grown-up offense, just given the the magnitude of their rebuild. So, uh, was a little bit bummed to leave uh, to leave Josh Rosen on the table. Uh, Matthew Stafford is just one of those uh, sentimental ones for me. Um, I think Detroit is is a, a ways away too. So. Uh, it was going to be cost prohibitive to yeah. keep him. I and I think what I mean, you you probably would have kept him at what twenty five or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which so I was uh, I was as I was puzzling out whether or not I should keep any of my quarterbacks who are all garbage, by the way. But Kirk Cousins, yeah. it would I would have kept him at nineteen dollars. Sure. So which is not a bad value, but I just realized I can probably get Kirk Cousins at nineteen dollars in the auction again if I wanted. Yeah. Or for or fourteen dollars. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Exactly. See, and that's why so so Dalvin Cook, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Kirk Cousins, these guys are all worth having on a team, but I can probably get them for less in by by re auctioning as opposed to adding five dollars to their value and keeping them. It's that adding five dollars is is great for your one dollar and three dollar players. It's not great for your twenty, thirty, forty dollar players or for those totally. middling guys. Dude, so the one guy I hated to leave on the table, and that's a good segue into this, was uh Julio Jones, who I got in a trade last year. So I traded Baker Mayfield to a, a friend of mine who needed a quarterback. He was desperate for a quarterback, and he's a Browns fan. So uh, so I sent him Baker. Maybe there were some other guys in the deal. Goodness, but you it was basically every rookie quarterback. Dude, I did. Yeah, I bought them all for a dollar at the end of the at the end of the auction draft last year, figuring a couple of them would pop, and they did. So anyway, I sent him Baker for Julio, uh, which I felt at the time was a really good trade for me. I was like, man, I'll do that all day long. Um, except that it's, it's cost prohibitive to keep Julio because this guy paid like $60 for him in the auction last year. So it would have cost me like 
a third of my budget total to keep Julio Jones. Um, so that that made it an easy choice, but still hard to hard to take the the best player at his position and leave him on the table. Yeah, so it's these are it, it's an interesting. I've never done a keeper league quite like this, where mm-hmm. I've done salary cap leagues and things like that, which I I don't recommend unless you want to just spend an ungodly amount of time investing in fantasy football. Yeah. But yeah, this this league will always the top players will always go back in the draft because yeah. you'll spend forty or fifty dollars on them in the auction, which is a fair price. Yeah. But you don't want to spend forty five or fifty five next year. And if you keep a guy two years, instead of going up five, it goes up ten. So over the course of two years, their their auction value goes up fifteen dollars. So yeah. for somebody like Josh Allen, that might be worth it because yeah, he's he might be still six be this year 16 and sixteen next, next year. And maybe at sixteen, you go, you know what? He rushed for eight hundred yards. He threw twenty five touchdowns. It might be worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For somebody like Adam Thielen, it's not going to be because he yeah. cost me. Uh, 25 last year. He's going to cost me 30 this year. I'm not spending 40 for him next year. Right. So right. if you want Adam Thielen, wait till next year or trade him. You know, trade for him. So it's it it keeps things churning, but it makes yep. the value of late round guys, rookies, or your ability to to spot sl- those real sleepers. Uh, it, it adds a lot of value to that. George Kittle is a good example. I don't. Yeah. I doubt. What did he probably cost? Eight dollars in the auction yeah. last year, something like that. Yeah, he was something like that. He was seven or eight dollars, so he's going to end up being, you know, 12, 12, twelve this year. And if you want to keep him next year, year twenty two. Twenty two. That's, that's fair, especially if he puts up another twelve hundred yard season or something. Dude, for arguably the best player at his position, yeah, it's it's more than fair for sure. Pipe in closing here. Do you have uh, do you have players any deep sleepers that you really love or players that you really like? Players that you really dislike in fantasy this year? Um. I hmm, let me think. I dislike quarterbacks, okay. just all of them, mm-hmm. and in keeper leagues especially. So I hate, I hate trying to figure out when to draft quarterbacks. Period. Yeah, yeah. Um, young guys are overvalued in mm-hmm. keeper leagues. Now, miss the way you did it, you sacrificed a year to have value this year. That's why they yeah. suck because you lose a year. Yeah. yeah. I have another league that is going to be it's a keeper league that that just started. And everybody was going young guys, so I got I took Drew Brees and Philip Rivers. There you because go. Because in in something like the eighth and ninth rounds, um, nice. which I feel great about. But next year, both those guys might be retired. So Absolutely. I don't like quarterbacks in general. Don't I hate drafting them early or paying a lot yeah. for them. Um, I think, dude, in a league like that, you may want to hit the waiver wire and just grab like a, um, I don't know, the kid from the Redskins or even a yeah. Daniel Jones or whatever. Well, I yeah. I picked up Matthew Stafford in like the 14th because oh, nobody likes him, and yeah. I also don't like him, but mm-hmm. the value is too good, <laughs> and he's going to be their starter for five years unless yeah. he, you know something tragic happens or he pulls an Andrew Luck. So, um, dude, and he's going to throw the ball 40 times a game because they're going to be behind. Yeah, although they keep. You know, with what's his face, the the bearded mountain man of a coach they have there, Matt Patricia. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what their offense is going to be. But anyway, he's my third quarterback. It's not that big of a deal. Um, the running back position is really frustrating to me because it used to be that the, you know there were top ten, fifteen running backs. Now they're sort of top four. Yeah. And then the Philip everybody Lin- else is in a job share. Yeah, the Philip Lindsays of the world, the rookies of yep. the world who may pop or may not. The the uh, th- there's just a whole bunch of that kind of thing going on. So, and you get these situations like like the Patriots who have so- they have Sony Michelle, 
but they also have Damian a, Harris and Rex yeah, Burkhead and the guy who catches James, all the passes. James White, James who's White. really their second yeah. wide receiver. And yep. And you got Miami, where you've got Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balage, both of whom are fairly talented, but also mm. stink in fantasy, and yeah, so yeah. forth. Kansas City, where who's the who's the running back? I don't know. It's probably a timeshare. Oakland, Oakland is probably going to run Jacobs into the ground. So if you, yeah, he's actually a sneaky good pick, man. I got him in that other keeper league, and you know, you and I might be going head to head in this auction form this league because I'm. All my keepers are wide receivers and tight ends, which means I need to go heavy on running backs. Um, so it's a uh, it's a weird it's a weird thing to be in fantasy now because of how the game has changed to such a passing league, um, oh. where no running backs get twenty carries a game anymore. Yeah, um, no, I know, I hate it. It's you know, and, and even the even some of the top running backs, David Johnson, um, what's his face. Um, Saquon Barkley yeah. are on really bad offenses. Yep. So are they going to be great or are they going to be guys who get the ball 18 times a game, but can't do a lot because their team stinks. So Todd Gurley's yeah. injured or might be injured or who knows what he is. There's just, there's not a lot of reliable players at the running back. It all feels like a gamble to me, which makes this year really interesting. Totally, man. Pipe. I got to take care of uh, a little bit of business here before we wrap the show. All so, right. This last Sunday at church, man. Let me paint the picture for you. And you're a, you're a man of the cloth now, so you'll appreciate this. I am. I was uh, I was uh, also at church this last Sunday. So, <laughs> so church wraps, and I see this woman make a beeline for me across the, uh, the 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 congregation. So she's like weaving her way through traffic, and she comes and gets right in my face, and she goes, "I don't appreciate how much you and Pipe make fun of the Titans." Um, so Kim Lancaster, if you're listening, um, I'm sorry. So I apologize on behalf of the show for how much we make fun of the Titans. And I, and I think, Piper, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but we do it because we want to like the Titans. I mean, we both live in their TV viewing area. We want the uniform to be better. We want the team to be better. We just want it to be a better yes. viewing experience. It's, so I think our, our, our criticism, we're sort of like a, we're like a harsh mid-century dad as it pertains to the Titans in that we're, we're like, we're criticizing probably a little bit too much and we're doing a little too much tough love, but we, we really want them to, to reach their potential. That's right. If they ever get a B, we're going to look at them and go, why didn't you get an A? Exactly. And, exactly. uh, B is good enough. Yeah. That's, no, that's, that's not good enough in this household. Um, exactly. th- that's a hundred percent correct. There are teams that I abhor. Anytime yeah. I make fun of the Packers, that yeah. is pure loathing. Just yeah. plain and simple. No, no bones about it. Um, yeah. The Titans are absolutely – and what kills me is I watch what has happened with the Predators, a hockey team, a, totally. sport, a sport that is – The least Nashville-y sport Yeah, it's not, it's, not the, it's not remotely Nashville. It's, no. it's, at this point, it's barely American. You know, it's, it's yeah. a Canadian and Swedish and Russian and, and European totally. sport. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of like international soccer where the fans are super passionate, but it's not a – in the United States, it's, it's pretty sort of – closeted yeah but the predators are a huge deal in nashville yeah and the titans just can't be they they cannot figure out how to be interesting and it kills me because i don't need another team to root for i have a home team but every sunday i would love to watch a great product it would be so much fun to watch a fun team with talented players and a coach who knows his head from a hole in the ground with uniforms that don't look like postal workers. Just anything. What's her name? <laughs> is it? Is it Kim? Kim. So Kim. Kim, 
we mock because we we know they can do better. It is not a matter of hatred. It's a matter of come on, guys. And we want them to do better. We really do, man. We're we're pulling for them. We're rooting for them to do better. And we think they're capable of it, but we just I, want to see them do it. I think I'm done rooting for Marcus Mariota, though. I don't think I'm rooting for him anymore. I think. Dude, see, Mariota, like, I, I still I have, a, I have a spot in my heart for him. I, I'm still rooting for him in that he just seems like a really decent guy, a really great guy, almost like Andrew Luck-level guy in terms of, like, just a guy that you can't hate. You know, he just seems like a really oh, good Oh, I don't dude. hate him. I just don't yeah. think he's a good quarterback. And I was speaking I, yeah. purely, purely um, competitively when standpoint. I say I'm, I'm not rooting for him. I don't sure. – uh, I suspect that he's a wonderful person, and I've never heard a negative story about him. Um, I just – I think – I think – he was a f- great college player who might be a, he he's sort of the he's sort of the ideal backup quarterback is what he is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Piper I have, a, I have one more apology ma- to make and this is to my Canadian friend Chris Harwood. And um I don't know does it move you forward like social media wise if I was to be photographed with my Canadian friend? I don't know. I don't feel like that's a thing <laughs> social justice wise, but um maybe if maybe if it is I can get a photo op with Spon- Chris sponsor but, uh, a Canadian. Sponsor a Canadian, absolutely. I've got a little uh, little magnet of him on my on my refrigerator like at home. Pals. Yeah, write him letters every every once in a while from time to time. But uh, no, Chris is a diehard fan of the program, and he has been troubled by our lack of CFL content lately. So uh, I feel like I need to get back on the Manziel minute train, even though Manziel has long been out of the CFL. Yeah, see, and, and, uh, and Chris, I don't feel the need to apologize specifically because I was – always just a bandwagon Manziel fan. I mean, I mean, I'm not a bandwagon Manziel fan. I'm a diehard Manziel fan who was bandwagon CFL because he was there. So, um, that said, I might need to get into it just for the sake of watching, but dude, and see, I'm a, I'm a real CFL fan and I I would like to invite you to get into it, Piper, because I think it's, uh, I think it's refreshing. I think you would enjoy it. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the Montreal Alouettes doing a like a almost a Cleveland Browns esque turnaround this year in that uh, totally new coaching staff. They fired their GM in training camp, and uh, they've they've got a little win streak going here. And I'm uh, I'm excited to be an Alouettes fan now. But Piper, we have done what we always do. On do, this do you sport. have time for one more quick thing? That it's a it's a of topic course. near and dear to our hearts, um, of and that is uniforms. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So let's talk uniforms. Let's pivot to a always different ready. sport. This mm-hmm. last weekend, at the time of recording this, was what Whoa. Major League Baseball called quote-unquote Players Weekend. Oh my gosh, dude. And yes. they stuck the players in Stormtrooper costumes yep. or trash bags or something that is black and white and plain and just ugly as sin. Dude, now I didn't watch. I didn't watch multiple games. I watched the Mariners play a couple times this weekend, and and in which if case, I'm not you mistaken, watched every team across the majors. I was going to say wise. every every team was in the same black and white uniform. It was just the crappiest thing imaginable, Piper. And they and they they tried to dress it up by like you know letting the kids put their nicknames on the on the back of the uniforms which and stuff. Is great. Which is great, and the custom yeah. cleats and like those things are yeah, fun. Like so they are. I just. So when we did our MLB least and least favorite and favorite draft thing, mm-hmm. uh, MLB marketing was on my least favorite list. For those yep. who haven't listened, um, this is why: yeah. because they have an opportunity to be cool and fun and awesome, and and instead, here's what happened. So I make a regular habit 
I follow a number of MLB accounts on Instagram, you know, so there's like Pitchers Nation and Glove Work and whatever. Yeah. Where it's just highlights, you know, it's 30 second highlights. Yeah. I can't tell who any of the highlights are of unless yeah. I recognize the guy's swing because you can't see the numbers. You can't see the team logo. You can't see the team name unless you recognize yep. the stadium and the like the body language and the posture. Mm-hmm. Then you don't know who's playing. And so I was watching highlights on glove work and there was, you know, it was one where they posted three or four videos. I didn't know who any of them were except for Javi Baez because I recognized Wrigley Field and then they did an up, a, a close-up of his face. So yep. MLB on Players Weekend managed to make every player look exactly the same so that <laughs> none of them stand out. Exactly. No, Good that was, night. That was so bad, man. It was so, so bad. And uh, hopefully that's the... The last time we'll see that particular set of uniforms pipe, I feel like they just got a deal on like black and white jerseys and uh, they, they just ran with it. But but yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, it, In fact, speak, it, yeah, it, it feels like a situation, you know, where speaking of mid-century where mom gets a good deal on a bolt of plaid fabric. And so every kid in the family <laughs> gets a new plaid suit or dress or something and it's all matchy exactly. matchy and ugly. That's what it felt like. Dude, I could see the MLB brass at like Joanne Fabrics picking out the bolts of of just drab black and white fabric, and and like uh, the, the the commissioner sitting over by the by the fake fur, and one of them sitting like flipping through the pattern books, and um, you know, and and yeah, just a just a gong show, man. Really bad uniform weekend. I'm glad it's over. Uh, I'm really glad it's over. I know it's going to be so refreshing to tune back into a game and go, oh look, blue uniforms. Exactly. With, with color. gray pants. <laughs> yeah, color. looks so good. Color is a nice thing, man. It's underrated. You don't know how good it is until it's gone. So uh, Chris Harwood, apologies for the lack of CFL content. Um, Piper, we have done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout these topics. And until next time, Kim <laughs> Lancaster. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.